Welcome back, folks, to this week's Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly. I'm your host, Chris Temple of NationalInvestor.com. With me, as always, is Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. Uh, happy Veterans Day to you, for if you've served or have had a loved one in the past that did. Uh, we honor you all today on this November the 11th, 2022. And, and Mickey, another big thing this week is that in two days we saw the biggest comeuppance for the U.S. dollar in darn near 20 years. Uh, a dollar that had been on fire for a good part of this year really got whacked. Curious reason why it did, which we'll get to, but first let's start with the metals that were a big beneficiary. Yeah, I would probably call that a big, uh, not come up as a big down 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 or something <laughs> <laughs> i think we just made up a word there anyway uh because of that the metals soared led by gold 1767 a 5.1 gain it's up uh, 122 dollars over the last couple of weeks basically because a very weak u.s dollar silver 2164 up 3.6 after 8.6 last week so uh so it's gained on the dollar uh platinum 1025 that's a healthy rise 6.4 percent palladium up almost nine percent to 1968 wow. and i think i have to think there on that gold number there's probably a bit of a short squeeze going on the way it jumped over uh this week it was uh, it was up all week. Oh no question! You know when that inflation number came out yesterday morning, Mickey, and we'll get to that in a second. I mean everything in a blink of an eyelash just went up like a scalded cat. Gold did. The Dow added seven hundred points in about forty-five seconds. I actually kept track of that. <laughs> Everybody was whether they were short or thought that this is finally the Fed succeeding on inflation, which it's not, but we'll pretend for a while. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll get into that. We'll pretend until yeah. we get to... That's that's to what the, that's uh, what animated everybody right or wrong. Moving on, copper had its best weekly close in a long time. Uh, despite st still the on-again, off-again stuff from China, that also, no doubt, got helped out by the dollar. Yeah, so... Uh, Let's go on to copper. We had a big spike. It broke well above resistance and likely because of the free fall in the dollar. It closed at 378, up 5.1%. It's in some sort of ridiculous contango. <laughs> a front month plus or, plus or minus 15 cents today. Wow. Uh, but if you look out, the curve is undulating as far out as I could see about an hour ago. Uh, certainly part of that's based on hopes that the Fed's going to ease off on interest rates. But once again, in reality, uh, this is mostly due to a weak U.S. dollar, and concomitant to that would be very low inventories in the copper market right. and all the industrial metals. Yeah. Moving on, uh, curiously, about the only losers of the week were energy uh, for some reason. Yeah, so WTI actually made quite a rally today, but it was hanging around 85, 86 most of the week, close at 80, 89, 89 for 3% loss. Uh, but oil was up today, 
And it, it really seems to go up and down over the last couple of weeks on these rumors about uh, the Chinese virus lockdowns or easing of the lockdowns. Uh, COVID is spreading wildly in China, and, and we'll see where it goes. But um, that's the reasons given. Uh, numbers look uh, interesting this week. Rigs, drill rigs operating plus nine this week. Uh, production jumped uh, 200,000 barrels to 12.1, but I said jump, but it's been vacillating in this plus or minus 12 million barrels per day range for as basically as as long as my midterm memory is available. Uh, inventories up 4 million barrels this week. Imports up 240,000 to 6.45 million barrels. That's uh, that's a pretty good jump over what we were doing on average over the last month or six weeks, about 6 million barrels per day. Refineries up 100,000 barrels, settled into wintertime numbers at 15.7 million barrels per day. Diesel shortages have apparently eased off somewhat, uh, but we also have gasoline shortages uh, as demand for gasoline is going down. Uh, prices gas pump have gone down since I've been here uh, what six weeks in Missouri now uh, we're looking at gas prices when I first got here about 350 a gallon yesterday they were 318 a gallon so that's a significant drop wow. uh, interesting thing that that came out uh, yesterday I guess is the EIA and all of their lack of wisdom uh, revamped their 2023 oil production forecast. They downgraded that once again to 12.3 million barrels per day. Uh, that is a total downgrading this year from their early 2023 project projections of 2 million barrels per day. They predicted 14.3 million barrels per day for 2023. And if we end up at 12.3, that means we have essentially gained no oil production since 2019, pre-pandemic. Wow. And keep in mind, too, and, and I've, I've written about this a few times in the recent past, also in 2023, the Biden administration's new methane rules go into effect and some of the energy people I follow suggest that this is pretty much going to close down a lot of small operators where keep in mind a, a good portion of the oil produced in this country come from wells that are that are small you know 60 million or 60 barrels a day 100 barrels a day and small operators like that are not going to be able to keep up with the paperwork and costs of these uh, newest methane well and so uh, that goes back to what uh, a term that I first learned in the early 70s when I had friends. Uh, I go up uh, out with friends of mine who had family oil wells in, in northeastern Oklahoma, and they're called stripper wells. Yep. And that was anything that produced less than 10 mil or <laughs> less than 10 barrels per day. And the price for stripper well production was fixed at three dollars a barrel. Uh, which was generally more than uh, you could get for wells that were less than that. Yeah. So uh, these new uh, methane rules, from what I understand, 
will apply to any well less than six barrels per day and so it's going to kill the stripper well production in the United States if this comes about and that is a significant part of our oil production yep I mean not a great part but this is mom mom and pop in the long existing oil fields of say East Texas throughout uh, Central and 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 Eastern Oklahoma, etc. Right. Yeah, not a good situation, and it helps explain why the EIA has downgraded their forecast. They possibly haven't gone far enough. Time will tell. Uranium also is down on the week. It's off three bucks from two weeks ago. Now I haven't seen any numbers since uh, Tuesday or Wednesday at forty nine fifty. Uh, still haven't gotten those for the last couple of days. Ah, gotcha. Okay, moving on to the uh, currencies. Uh, as we said at the outset, the big story of the week was the bludgeoning that the U.S. dollar took. Of course, that was a result chiefly of yesterday morning's uh, less bad inflation number who would have thought we'd be popping champagne corks over 7.7 percent year over year headline inflation but that's what everybody did and uh scared a lot of people out of their long positions on the dollar and short positions on the euro and elsewhere well it didn't make a lot of sense because that inflation print was only two tenths of a percent off of consensus analyst projections. So it came out at 7.7% year over year when uh, the the street expected 7.9%. Despite that, the dollar just dropped like a rock and it dropped all day long. It closed at 106.38 for a 4.8% loss on the week uh, and that all happened in the last couple of days. Now, arguably, uh, the U.S. dollar was completely overbought, uh, but this is a monumental drop. Uh, I don't know. I looked uh, back for a couple of years, and I never saw any move of this magnitude to either the upside or the downside. Euro gained almost 4%, close at one uh, oh, three, five. The loonie came 1.6% to close at 75.40. And not only that, but the two and 10 year treasuries also dropped. Uh, 10 year treasury 3.81 for a 36 basis points drop. And that great harbinger of recession that we are in, or if you choose, a recession to come, the inverted treasury curve, the two and 10 year treasury are inverted to a whopping 50 basis points. Yeah. Well, moving on to the stock market, it was interesting because a lot of people were thinking this red wave on election day was going to be something that would give the bulls cheer on Wall Street. We got maybe a red trickle more than a red wave. And it was more that uh, weaker inflation print that that goosed the stock market. But I think there was still a little bit in there, given that the Republicans will at least get the House by all appearances. Well, that is of all appearances, and that leads to our title this week, which is K is for Kilter. 
and we commonly hear off kilter or out of kilter but kilter actually means the proper condition and i will submit that with a divided legislative and executive branches of the u.s government uh, that is the proper condition because we're going to have two years of dc swamp gridlock and i personally welcome that uh going on uh we already mentioned the cpi uh year over year 7.7 percent uh it it actually lost a half a point from the uh, September print, but it's still pushing 8%. And the markets just went absolutely wild over this minuscule drop in inflation on the speculation that the Fed is now going to reduce its interest rate in, in December to a half a percent rise. Uh, I'll take bets on that. I might even give you odds that it's going to be 75. Uh, but that led to some some obvious gaming, uh, algorithmic trading on the U.S. big markets. Uh, we also had some really negative news today. Uh, consumer sentiment dropped a whopping 10% <laughs> month over month. And despite that, all markets were up somewhat today. They had a pretty good rally toward the end of the day. Uh, the Dow closed at 3,779, 4.2% gain. S&P 500 almost a 6% gain to 39.93. NASDAQ closed over 8% up this week at 11.323. Wow. Yeah, big moves. And then the Venture Exchange even eked uh, out a little bit of a gain, though I would have thought it had done better than this. Yeah, it, it was down most of the week. It It's actually been up and down for about two weeks now, not moving much either way. Close at 600, that's up six points on the week. Uh, volumes remain higher than they were about double what they were two or three weeks ago at 30 million shares per day uh and what amazes me chris the the uh cabal of junior company newsletter writers are still pumping endlessly these down and out stocks and all i can say and i've been saying this for nearly two years now is buyer beware yeah very true all right so we saw what happened this week that caused a lot of fireworks anything on tap next week you got an eye on mickey well i think what we need to look at if you're a, a gold bug of which i am been accused of being and i will not deny uh that's gold at resistance gold's been on a pretty good run here for a couple of weeks and but it's going to face really strong resistance of uh, the even number of $1,800 uh, an ounce. But uh, we're also approaching a very strong seasonal uptick time for gold between, uh, say, early December to mid-December till the end of February is the strongest seasonal time for gold. It goes up and up almost every year so uh, we're getting very close to that as far as data print next week we've got the PPI producers price index 
so that's basically uh, wholesale projections and we ex and a very good uh, forward-looking metric for inflation. We expect that to be pretty high. We've got retail sales and we've got the all-important or most important, let me say that, uh, housing data and that's new housing starts, uh, which is also a pretty good predictor of the state of the economy. Very much so, and, re and real estate has not done nearly as well in the recent past as uh, the stock market has done in this rally. That's for darn sure. All right, and lastly, yeah, for, our, for our weekend poll. Well, we're going snarky again. So uh, we've eased off for a couple of three weeks, so uh, here goes. Who among these dim politicos is the most mentally challenged. And number one, you've got slow-mo Joe Biden. Number two, you've got Uncle Fester Woman. And number three, you have Memory Care Feinstein. Finally, if you want to throw in your idea in, we'll have number four. Other, please comment below. Well, you know what? You say mentally challenged. All three of these uh, in their better days were a bit more knowing in their lies and and obfuscations and flim flam art and all that kind of stuff i think you know with two of them joe and with diane feinstein it's old age with festerman it's a stroke i'm going to vote for somebody who is not nearly as as old and is just obscenely stupid i gotta i gotta throw aoc in there that's, that's i vote. saw that coming mate <laughs> good for you and uh I'm going to go for the new guy on the block because we know uh, uh, Joe and and Diane have mental problems during during due to the fact that they're uh, plus or soon to be in Joe's case and in Feinstein's case over 80 years old yeah. octogenarians. I'm going to go with Uncle Fester Woman, and that name comes from he looks quite like. A giant version of Uncle Fester on the Adams family. Yeah. And at one point, a month or two ago, he pulled out a T-shirt that said, "I am Fetter uh, Woman." Right. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my vote. Yeah, not a bad one. All right. Well, Mickey, thanks much, and folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see how the next week plays out, and be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks, Mickey. Righto. Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. To keep up with Mickey Folk, visit him online at MercenaryGeologist.com and on Twitter under at MercenaryGeo. Yours truly, Chris Temple, can be found at NationalInvestor.com and on Twitter, it's at NatInvestor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you again next week.